are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Thanksgiving edition of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, and today on the show, we're thankful. We're thankful for the Dolphins, the improvement that they have illustrated through the first 10 games of 2019 versus what we were thankful for last year at this time. And and that's where I'd really like to focus this abbreviated episode, as I I promised you guys would get some good Dolphins content with bellies full of turkey and stuffing and so on. Uh, But it will be an abbreviated show today. I do have some thoughts of having completed the charting and, and the personnel groupings from Miami's loss against Denver, and I think there's some interesting data and trends that we're starting to see develop there. But where I would first like to start today is why we should all be so thankful with the current situation of the Miami Dolphins, even on the heels of a loss to the Denver Broncos in Week 11. Because, yes, this was a game... Dolphins fans had gotten to the point which they expected to win this football game. And inevitably, that's a good place to be. When you have the expectation as a team that you are going to win the games you step onto the field to play. That's not something that Dolphins fans could say very much of at all in 2019. And Thanksgiving in 2019, the Miami Dolphins were 2-9. and nine. They had defeated the New York Jets. And they had defeated the Indianapolis Colts the following week. Two and nine, they were coming off the heels of giving up 78 points in two losses combined to Buffalo and the Cleveland Browns. And in those two losses, they had conceded 891 yards with just one turnover between them. So the two wins after 0-7, you feel good. Well, then you lose your next two football games. Thanksgiving last year, The Dolphins were saying, well, thank goodness there's more than one good quarterback in this 2020 NFL draft. The Dolphins, of course, went on to go and pick the player that everybody had seemed to have pegged for Miami to be the savior to be in Tua Tonga-Vailoa. And now here we are a year later. There's a lot of negativity on the timeline on social media about Tua and should have taken Justin Hurt. No, you guys don't get to call that audible. It was really interesting and entertaining throughout the pre-draft process to see just how mentally committed so many of us were to Tua Tagovailoa being the answer to the Dolphins' problems. And I think he still will be. I think you learn more from your, your failures than you do your successes. And it was really cool to see Ryan Fitzpatrick talking to Tua Tagovailoa. If you missed that clip, it was courtesy of Epics um, talking about Sometimes you're not going to get to your third read in the progression. If they're heating you up, you got to get the one, two, and you got to throw a tightly contested ball. I enjoyed that perspective from, from Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Dolphins, in their last 19 football games, between the five and four finish last year and the first 10 games of this year, they're 11 and eight. They have a chance to win against the New York Jets and then have a 60% win percentage in their last 20 football games after starting 2019 0 and 7 after being as frustratingly bad and ineffective as they were whilst tearing down a roster to the volumes of which we'd rarely seen. We should be thankful that the Dolphins, even 
Would we be more thankful if the Dolphins were 7-3 and three and had beat the Broncos? Of course. But 6-4 and four in year two with how bad this roster was, lots to be excited about. Their plus 62-point differential is still sixth best in the NFL. Their 6-3 and three start in nine games was their best start to a season in two decades with all the limitations that they have. And now all of a sudden the Dolphins lose a game and everyone who wants to talk about, oh, this direction, this isn't moving in the right direction because they couldn't do X, Y, or Z against the Broncos? That's the segue I want to make. Because I think from a coaching perspective, there's some pretty interesting trends with what is happening with the Miami Dolphins and their offense. So, of course, I'm, I'm undertaking this charting project in which I chart every snap the Dolphins take on offense, all season long. Personnel, formation, route combinations, etc., etc., etc. I'm going to read some numbers to you. It's percentages. That is the percentage of plays the Dolphins have taken in each of their games thus far this season with 11 personnel on the field. And what jumps out to me immediately, Locked On Dolphins has been a big proponent of use more 12 personnel. The Miami Dolphins, in games in which they use 11 personnel, more than 50% of their offensive snaps this season are 0-4. The Dolphins, when using 11 personnel less at 50% or less of their offensive snaps, are 6-0. I get it. 11 personnel, 85% of the snaps came out of 11 personnel against the Broncos. 21% higher than the next highest, which was the loss against Seattle. 22% higher than the loss in Week 1 in New England, and 24% higher than the loss to Buffalo. You're chasing the game, the entirety of the game, so I get it. So what I did is I put the filter on and I asked myself, okay, what snaps are the Dolphins taking when the game is a one-score football game? So plus 8 points to minus 8 points. What does that personnel look like? And once again, 50% or greater in one-score snaps through all 10 games is a loss. The 11 personnel snaps in one-score snaps against New England was 51.43%. 50% on the dot against Buffalo, 56% against Seattle, and 81% against Denver. One-score football game snaps. The wins, 45% Jacksonville, 34% San Francisco, 22% New York, 47% LA Rams, 31% Arizona Cardinals, 47% Los Angeles Chargers. So this game, for whatever reason, the Dolphins didn't like what they saw, and I thought that was an interesting critique I saw after the game was, well, why didn't the Dolphins' offense open things up sooner? Well, this was as open as the Dolphins' offense has been all season long. They've never been more open. Their two tight end percentage usage 
if they are using two tight ends less than 30% of the time, they haven't won a game yet this season. 21, 27, 29, and 11%. Their wins, 51%, 39%, 41%, 54%, 55%, and 48%. So I'd hope that's something that the Dolphins take a look at and, and try to assess. And again, I, it's not a flat rate thing. It's not as simple as saying, well, you give the running back 20 carries and the team is 15-0. and 0. Yeah, because when the ball carrier is getting the ball on the ground, more often than not at that high of a volume, you're trying to milk the clock because you're probably out in front. So I understand it's not a straight correlation, but there's a pretty undeniable line in the sand here. And I tried to take it from more than one angle of, okay, let's account for Miami is losing by two touchdowns to Seattle in week four. Miami is down 10 points to Denver with eight minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. And nevertheless... This correlation is here. Miami's ability to stay balanced on offense gives them a better chance week in and week out, and it's never been more painfully apparent than charting 65 plays against the Broncos, and 85% of them were 11 personnel. 55 out of 65 offensive snaps charted for the Dolphins in week 11 were 11 personnel. I get we got guys banged up. I get we got to work around guys. Durham Smythe played in this game. Adam Shaheen played in this game. So that's where I'm confused. Because what Denver chose to do was they choose to, okay, you're going to go three receivers to this side and two receivers to this side or three and one. We're going to put one extra defender over top of each side of the field wherever you're playing. The middle of the field is where we are going to bet we can just get home before you, when you space the field out, are going to be able to get anybody there. So condense things in, bring multiple tight ends into play, and work the middle of the field with the quick game. Now, I'm not an NFL offensive coordinator. I'm not an NFL play caller. But as you go back and in hindsight, that is the adjustment I hope this team makes is I hope they get back to the two tight end, multiple tight end sets. You don't have to run the ball every time you have two tight ends on the field, but Shaheen is more than capable as a receiver slash blocker. Mike Gusecki... Some of his best reps have come when he's tight to the set because there he has more room to work instead of splitting him as the ISO receiver and asking him to run speed outs and corners. I know one thing I'm thankful for is this project because it has given me this really deep, intimate understanding of the team and offensively what they try to do week in and week out. So... Getting all the numbers plugged in this week and seeing, wow, 85% 11 personnel. Well, Kyle, you know, they were down 10 points. And regardless, when it was a one-score game, 81%. A couple things I'm continue to be thankful for here as I kind of collect my thoughts here. I'm sitting in the kitchen watching the oven. Definitely making sure I don't burn anything while my wife is upstairs getting ready for dinner this afternoon. Um, I am thankful for the Laramie Tunsil deal, which many people might not have thought they'd get there. But the Laramie Tunsil deal 
has brought you assets and flexibility moving forward. Who knows what the Dolphins are going to choose to do with this Houston Texans pick. But this Houston Texans pick continues to look like a very promising opportunity to invest for Miami, whether that is investing in additional draft capital for the future by trading back or by landing a blue chip player in the 2021 NFL draft. Go Lions today, by the way. It's non-negotiable. You have to root for Detroit. (laughs) One thing I also continue to be thankful for is uh, the way Brian Flores conducts himself. Uh, Brian Flores on Thanksgiving morning had a press availability. And I'm sure that kind of comes with the gig and so on and so forth. Uh, But Brian Flores continues to just impress me with how he conducts himself as a head coach and as one of the faces of this organization. And uh, really appreciative of him taking his time to talk to the media this morning and and field some questions about his football team. And um, I'm thankful for a young quarterback that we will have the opportunity to watch grow and evolve. And what I would say is you're going to continue to see skepticism and second guessing and so on and so forth. And that's okay. But like, go look up Josh Allen's numbers from his rookie season and watch what Josh Allen is doing now for the Buffalo Bills. The Dolphins and the Bills have some strong parallels between how they are conducting their rebuilds, how they are building their rosters, you know, the kinds of mentalities that they're bringing into their building from both a team building and personnel perspective and a coaching perspective. And you work at putting the right pieces around the quarterback if he fits your brand and your style of football, and it's going to work, provided he stays healthy. Now, to a tongue of Iloa, the medicals and the, the durability is always going to be a question, right? He's on the injury report. He had a thumb injury that, that came up at practice yesterday, whatever. Brian Flores says it's a minor injury, it's a non-issue, whatever. If the health is there, this Dolphins organization with how they have built their defense, how they have assembled pieces to work with on this roster in a very short amount of time, in less than a year, has given you no reason to question whether or not they are capable of building a team. They very clearly have a vision. And us as fans, it's our jobs to stay off the roller coaster and avoid the ups and the downs and the drama and the and the peaks and the valleys of the big picture view for the Dolphins. Because the big picture view of the Dolphins, you might look at it and say, man, we, we let ourselves get these expectations, and they're going to come up short this year. If they do, they may not. They may win 10 games and go to the playoffs. And we'll all be happy. We'll be honky-dory and we'll celebrate a happy new year. But if it's not, remember the Dolphins before Thanksgiving had more wins than they had all of last year. Everybody had pegged Tua Tonga-Vailoa as the quarterback that was going to lift this team up from mediocrity. We have that player. And more importantly, we have an entire team around him and we have an entire supporting cast both on the field and off the field that's committed to getting it right around him. We should be thankful and excited for that, just as I am thankful and excited to continue sharing this season and beyond with each and every one of you. I'm going to call it a day. The turkey's calling my name. Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins. Thanks, as always, for listening in.
I hope you enjoyed today's abbreviated Thanksgiving special, what we're thankful for, what I'm thankful for with you as fans, you as listeners, the Dolphins as a team, and what I'm thankful and excited to see this team come back to in Week 12 against the New York Jets. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about the game plan to beat the New York Jets the second time around, so make sure you hit subscribe and keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins.